guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Welcome to New Heights Church once again. Let me just say this. If you're watching online, it means the world to us that you would do that. Many people watch our services live, and then they watch the replays throughout the week. It blesses us that you would take time out of your schedule to do that. But we also want to extend an invitation. If you're ever in Texas in the College Station area, come out to a New Heights Church service live. I promise we'll make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. Well, I've been preaching this knock-knock series for the last several weeks, and I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. There's some invite cards that the ushers are going to hand out on the way out the doors after service. Make sure and get those to your friends and family, those that you feel like would really benefit from hearing what the Word of God says about their situation. I think it'll be a blessing. Somebody say amen to that. I have started every week, and I want to do it again today with... An incredible knock-knock joke. Now, now here's the thing though. Knock-knock jokes are only good with great participation. So when I say knock-knock, what will you say? Y'all have heard jokes before, praise the Lord. All right, here we go. Are you ready? This is a good one. Knock-knock. Banana. Knock-knock. Banana. Knock-knock. Banana, knock, knock, orange, orange, you glad I didn't say banana. That's a terrible joke. It's not a knock, knock joke, but, uh, my son, they were, they were trying to tell me knock, knock jokes and he goes, dad, I have the best joke. I'm like, okay. He says, it's not a knock, knock joke. I'm like, well, like the series is called like knock. Knock. He goes, yeah, but I want you to say this one. I'm like, all right, what is it? If it's funny, I'll think about it. He goes, oh, it's funny, dad. It's like, all right. He goes, why is Cinderella always the last to be picked for the team? Because she always runs from the ball. (laughs) That's terrible too. Okay. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, praise the Lord. We talked about knocking and how Jesus, Revelation 3.20, says that he stands at the door and knocks. And anybody who will open the door, he'll come in and he'll dine with them. In other words, the most important door of your life is the door to your heart. And if you do not open that door to Christ, you will not only miss out on eternity with God in heaven, you will also miss out on the peace that surpasses understanding here in this life. Somebody say amen. Amen. The second thing we talked about is how if you are stuck in the threshold of life, you're, you're not going all the way into kingdom life, but you're really not all the way in the world anymore. You're going to find yourself lukewarm. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't, you can't be serving two masters, the Bible says. So when it comes to your life, we're just encouraging you to go all in for the things of God. As a matter of fact, one of the most prominent steps you can make, maybe you've never been water baptized. 
When you go all in for God, you decide that I'm going to be obedient to the word of God to the best of my ability. You don't respond to your issues like the world responds to the same issues. You actually respond in faith. One of the things you can do that is super simple is be water baptized. So what difference does the water make? It's not the water. It's your obedience to get in the water. So if that's you and you say, man, I really want to go all in for God, you can do that by texting the word all in, A-L-L-I-N, one word, to the number 313131. We'll get you on the list. And in a week and a half, we'll baptize you. And God himself, the Bible says, when you get baptized in water, you come out of the water clothed in Christ. Many places do it differently. Some people put a little water on your head. Some people actually kind of throw some water at you. I think we ought to use a water gun, praise the Lord. I don't know. But, but, but generally speaking, uh, we baptize by putting people underwater very carefully and bringing them up. And the reason we do this, number one, it, it seems to be the way Christ was baptized. So we like to mirror it as best possible. I'm not knocking any of the other ways. I've been a part of services where it happened the other way. But what happens when you go under the water is very interesting. When you get under the water, you are in completely enveloped in the water. That means there's not one part of you that's not wet. There's not one part of you that has not been washed by the water. You see what I'm saying? So it's a very, very powerful thing. But we talked about being in that threshold, being being uh, not necessarily all the way in the world, but not necessarily all the way in the kingdom, and it creating almost like an unstable place that you can't really experience all that the kingdom has to offer, but you certainly are, are not getting far enough away from what the world is trying to do to you on a constant basis. Was anybody here for this? Somebody just say amen. Today, I want to talk a little bit different. I want to talk about what happens when you see doors closed in front of you. What happens when you're doing all you know to do, but the door remains closed in your life? The gate remains closed in your life. There's a barrier that you can't get Yet you cannot get through of your own account or your own accord. Many times in our life, we'll make decisions and we'll follow after the things of God. And we can see far enough down the road and we can, we can almost, uh, almost derail the plan of God in our life with something I like to call the yeah buts. So you can see, okay, for, for me to, for me to do what I want to do in, in, and I know God's calling me to do it, for me to accomplish that, it's going to take a, a little more time and it's going to take some effort and I'm going to have to stop some things and I'm going to have to start some things and I'm going to have to get wise and, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be more nice to my friends and family. I'm going to have to do all this and, and you see all the things that can happen and you see it, but then there'll be one door or one gate that you don't see how it's going to open and all of a sudden the yeah buts start taking control. You start saying, well, I know I can do this and I know I can do that. I know this can happen, but there's a gate up here and you start going, yeah, but I don't think that can happen. Yeah, but I don't see how that can take place. A doctor's report comes in your life. You're sitting there, you're confessing the word, you're believing God. I'm healed by his stripes. I walk in divine healing. Healing is the children's bread. And all of a sudden you get a, you get a doctor's report and all of a sudden it turns into the yeah, buts. 
Year after year after year after year, it doesn't change. And the yeah buts begin to take over in your life. I'm wondering if there's anybody who can get some bulldog faith in your life and refuse to let the yeah buts take control. Stop looking at the closed gates and wondering how they're going to open and decide you're walking in that direction anyway. The Bible says in, in the book of Acts chapter number 12, Acts chapter number 12, this is after Jesus is crucified. He's risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven. The disciples are now carrying out the, the early stages of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, uh, many of them, this is, this is when they're beginning to be martyred. This is beginning when, this is when they're beginning to be killed for their faith. And the Bible says, verse one, Acts 12, it says, now about that time, the king stretched out, Herod the king stretched out forth his hands to vex the, to vex certain of the church. In other words, there was a strategic attack on the leadership of the church, certain of the church. You have to understand there are times when you, when you look from afar and ministers or ministries end up having uh, uh, challenges or they make poor decisions or just get into sin. It's, it's, it's possible it happens. But at the same time, you also have to understand there is not a a category that is more vexed when it comes to a strategic attack from the enemy of God. The reason this is so important is because if the devil can knock out a man or woman of God, now all of a sudden, all the sheep that were listening to that shepherd's voice will now be scattered without a shepherd. Therefore, he is constantly and strategically trying to attack or vex certain or the leadership of the church. That does not exclude, uh, excuse poor behavior. It does not, certainly does not excuse sin. But what it does and what it should do is it should encourage the church to be praying for the leadership of the church, both locally, globally, and everywhere that you see people sharing and teaching the word of the living God. Because in that situation, if the devil can knock one off, it may affect dozens. Nowadays, it may affect hundreds. Come on. It may affect thousands and thousands of people when one person succumbs to that attack. So a lot of times, if you read, who here, and just, I'm not going to make you lift your hand, but do you believe everything that the news says, good or bad? How come so oftentimes a report comes out and our first instinct is to go, I wonder why they did that. Did you know, I know, I know, I know some ministers personally that are, that are, you know, as big as they get kind of thing that have been through some stuff and there has been stuff printed on them that was the furthest thing from true. There wasn't one shred of evidence. Now I know, and I'll put the caveat, I know certain people have done things too and whatever. I, I still choose to forgive, praise the Lord. But on the flip side, I've seen things printed and I'm like, they weren't even there. Like, like that did not happen. 100% did not happen. Let me give you uh, one in particular. Uh, Pastor Joel Osteen down at Lakewood Church, a phenomenal man of God, comes from an, a phenomenal family. The, the storm rolled in, Hurricane Harvey, which was one of the worst storms in recorded history in the city of Houston to affect Texas and, and literally to, the, to affect the United States. And somebody goes and goes to a security door. 
a secure, this door is never unlocked. On a Sunday morning at 1015, when there's 40,000 people trying to get in and out of that church, that door is locked. The only reason that door exists is if there was an emergency, it can be pushed from the inside to get yourself out. And somebody goes by there in the middle of the storm and the guy didn't need shelter. The guy wasn't looking for shelter. The guy was looking to post on a YouTube video and he posted largest church in America, mega church pastor Joel Osteen locks his doors while Houston drowns. It could not have been further from the truth than you and I are standing on the moon right now. But what happens is there are those that are strategically trying to vex the church because if they can vex the church, they won't just affect that person. They will affect all the people that are hearing what that person is teaching. Does that make sense? Now, you won't hear this because he refuses to brag, but I'll brag on him. Pastor Joel Osteen was, uh, uh, Lakewood literally had a day named after it and was given an award by the city of Houston itself for the overwhelming hand that they played and role that they played in the recovery of Hurricane Harvey. But there are strategic people, entities, things that are, uh, uh, maybe not even know that they're being used by the enemy of God, but the enemy of God is strategically trying to vex the church. That's why it's so important what we just did this morning to take a second and say, go hug somebody in the church. Listen, let me just tell you, some of the people that you hug probably smell uh, different than you, look different than you. And again, I, I love to say it this way. They use a different kind of hair product than you use. Praise the Lord. But when we are together in faith, we are unstoppable. But when a house, the Bible says, is divided against itself, it can't stand. That's why you and me have to get extremely good at staying locked in forgiveness and not just locked in forgiveness for those that are outside the church that finally decide they want Jesus, but for the people that are sitting next to you. You might walk in next week and somebody's in your coveted chair. Praise the Lord. Let me give you an example. <laughs> Glory to God, brother. Yeah. Shonde Ronde. Can't wait for church. Yeah, knock, knock. Just been blessing my socks off. You know, I just, I just can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put my stuff down. I'm going to. Usher! <laughs> Whose Bible? Is that? It's not even a King James Bible. It's wrapped in a camouflage Bible cover. We're not hunting deer in here. We got to get good at being very forgiving, overlooking anything that might cause the boat to rock in our life. Because let me tell you something, the enemy of God is extremely strategic and all he wants is one little foot in and he'll begin to bring, all of a sudden you'll start being mad at people you don't even know. You'll be like, well, why are they wearing those earrings? 
Did George Strait really just say that? I've never liked him. Oh, I just hurt some of y'all's heart. He can't talk about King George. I tell you what, that man puts out some hits. Come on. Come on. We're not even going to let a seed of dissension set in. So the Bible says, Herod stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Chapter verse two. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James and John were the sons of Zebedee. And the Bible says that he was killed with the sword. In other words, he was executed. Uh, historians believe he, he was beheaded. I'll tell you something that's very interesting, though. There's a book, and I, I strongly encourage you to read it. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it is the history of the martyrs that date back to Stephen, the first martyr of, of the New Testament. And uh, it, it's, it's very powerful. And it gives kind of a recollection, uh, the best way that historians can view how they actually died. And the, the crazy thing about James here is when he was executed, somebody had accused him of being a Christian preacher, a disciple, an apostle, a follower of Jesus. So he was arrested on that accusation. But what was so amazing and his, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs spells this out as well as other historians. What, what's amazing is James' accuser, the guy who accused him and got him arrested, James never stopped witnessing to him. And he ended up giving his life to Jesus, being so convicted that when James was killed, he got down on his knees and said, this is an innocent man. If you're killing him, kill me too. And they were both killed that day. Number one, if you're taking notes, when it comes to closed doors and closed gates in your life, I'm going to give you four things that you can't stop doing. Number one, don't stop serving God. Don't stop serving God. Don't stop serving. When McDonald's puts onions on your cheeseburger and you specifically said, I don't want onions on my cheeseburger. Don't stop serving God. When, when the boss comes in and says, we're going to have to lay some people off and your heart beats four times faster than it normally would, don't stop serving God. When you get a bad report on your physical body, when something happens to a family member, when, when something unexpected happens, when you go through not just a moment, you go through a season, not just a season, you go through a decade of issues, don't you stop serving God because you never know what God's going to do with you in the middle of your trial. James went to heaven, but I love the fact that he said, I'm not going alone. He said, I understand. The guy said, you're a Christian. He said, yes, I am a Christian. I'm going to, you know what? They're going to kill you. He said, they might kill me, but I'm telling you, I'm more alive right now than you'll ever be. Oh, now you're in chains, James. What do you think now? Now we got you all tied up. What do you think? I bet he looked over at that accuser and said, I'm freer than you are right now. No, no, you don't understand. You're, you're about to die right now. James said, listen to me. To be, at, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I'm not race, rushing towards death, but death doesn't scare me. See, something in the process of James going through a trial and refusing to stop serving God even caused his accuser to repent and give his life to Somebody give God a hand of praise if you say, you know what? I'm not going to stop serving God. 
The minute you say something like this, you know what? I'll serve God as long as this doesn't happen. You can just about guarantee the devil's going to move all of his demons and every power that he's got. And he's going to try to make that one thing happen. If you say something like this, you know what? I can forgive everybody for anything, but if they lie to me, they're dead to me. Instantaneously, all the devil has to do is get somebody to tell you a white lie. Now you're bound by your word. You walk in unforgiveness. The problem is the Bible says if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. Come on, never stop serving God. Verse three, and because he saw it pleased the Jews to kill James, he proceeded further to arrest Peter. These were the days of unleavened bread. Verse four, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. In other words, when Easter was over, he was gonna bring him out and execute him too. And he had him arrested and he was guarded by 16 soldiers. You know, Peter must have been a pretty bad boy. If it takes 16 soldiers, the only way the king, I wonder how many soldiers the king would put on you if you were arrested. What's your reputation in the kingdom? Is your reputation one who refuses to back down? Is your, is your reputation one who stands in faith regardless of what the situation looks like? Or is your situation, you know what, that one only needs one guard. Matter of fact, just shut the door. Don't even have to lock it. That one's not coming out because their faith is only this tall. I want to be a 16 soldier kind of preacher. I want to be one where it, when, when, it, when the enemy looks at me, said, oh, the devil looks down and says, all right, little demon, I want you to go hit Brian. And the demon says, I ain't going over there alone. I'm going to need some people to go with me. How many of you think, well, I'm going to need some chains. I'm going to need some, some stocks. I'm going to need some bonds. I'm going to need some, some gates. I'm going to need, give me 16 soldiers and I think I can hold him for one night. They take Peter and they put him in there and 16 soldiers are tasked with the job of, of watching over him so he doesn't get loose. Verse five, Peter therefore in prison was kept in prison, but here we go. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Amen. Do you see what helps the leadership of the church the most? When the church never stops praying for the leadership. When you stop praying for your neighbor, you might be opening the door for the enemy and you didn't even know. The Bible says this in Second Samuel. It says, moreover, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Did you know it's sin not to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? It is, it is something that is so powerful that Jesus died on the cross to, to, to destroy that bondage and that sin itself. And literally you and me can be in a place where we're outside the will and knowledge and power of God when we decide to stop praying. Well, when am I supposed to pray? When you learn something. Ooh, it's getting quiet in here in the library. See, what happens is we hear about something and we want to we wanna chew on it for a little bit. Did you hear what they did? Did you hear what they said? I mean, they're supposed to be a Christian. Can you believe they did that? 
Can you believe they said that? Did you see what they put on Facebook? And we spend 30 minutes dragging them through the coals. And then we say, I guess all we can do is pray. And then we act like we're holy. When the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible says as soon as they found out Peter was in prison, it doesn't say, well, there went Peter running his mouth again. Wonder what he did this time. You know, he's known for, did he, I wonder if he cut somebody's ear off again. He's known for throwing a cussing fit. There goes old Peter. You remember he did deny Jesus. We don't hear any of that. All we hear is they instantly went into prayer. The Bible says this. The prayer was made of the church unto God for him. Number two. The first one is you can't stop serving God. Number two. Don't ever stop praying. Amen. What does prayer look like? Prayer is communication with God. The Bible says the word to pray without ceasing. In other words, just don't stop the communication line. Well, which, which prayer should I pray? Well, I can give you some examples, but the truth is God wants to hear about what's on your heart. He wants to know how's your day going. He wants to know what, what, what's, what's bothering you, what's hurting you, where do you need the victory. He, he wants to hear you cry out on behalf of somebody else. He wants to hear your voice. And, and at the end of the day, sometimes it can be a long prayer. Some of my best and most powerful prayers just happen in a, in, in a moment, in an instant, just boom. It, when, when, when somebody, when I find out about something, I just, I don't want to be somebody that just hears about it and rolls it around and goes, okay, no, 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 I want to throw that into heaven's atmosphere so that heaven can begin to move on behalf of whatever the situation is. No matter how difficult it looks, no matter how, so, how many soldiers they have locking you down, you can't get to the place where the prayer is knocked out of you. You have to keep the communication line open. Somebody say pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray when your life is in shambles. Pray when your life is going good. Pray when your prodigal son is far from you. Pray on the day he comes home. Pray when issues show up in your life. Pray when you don't know how to make ends meet. Pray when you don't have enough money. Pray when you got too much money. Pray when you get a bad report. Pray when a good report comes. Pray when a situation begins to shift. Pray when you can't understand it. Pray on a sleepless night. Pray when you're sleeping like a baby. Pray when you get up. Pray over your food. Pray when you're fasting. Don't ever stop praying because when you stop praying, you break the communication and in any relationship the first thing that will break down is the communication and then everything begins to go to pot. Don't ever stop praying. Somebody say pray. When you pray, heaven moves. When you pray, God moves. When you pray, his mighty right hand comes off of that throne and swoops down in your situation. When you pray, God begins to make cancers melt in your body. When you pray, prodigal sons begin to come to themselves. When you pray, God begins to shift every situation on your behalf. Pray and see God move in your life. You don't have to be taught how to pray. How do you talk to your best friend? That's how you talk to God. Pray and see God move. Pray and see God shift. Pray and see the power of God. You pray and he'll shift your entire intention. You'll go from saying, this is all I care about. You'll begin to pray and God will touch some air in your heart. And you'll go, oh my God, I love these people. 
Pray and see God move in your life. You may be coming against a closed door, a closed gate, an issue that you don't know how to deal with. All I can tell you is don't you ever stop serving God and don't you ever let your prayer life wane. And when it ever does, and if you're like me, you'll wake up one day and you'll go, oh my gosh, what happened? I felt like we were so close and now it feels like we're far. Pray and experience the power of him embracing you once again. Come on, everybody lift one hand. Lord, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. And I'm asking you to stir up the fires and the flames of an active prayer life. One that... You're the first one that hears about good news. You're the first one that hears about bad news. You're the first one on our mind. You're the first one that we think about. When somebody is bound in chains, we're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk to you about them. When somebody's going through something, we're not going to be the ones that drag people through the coals and rake them over the fire. We're going to be the ones that call down the fire of God in that situation. Pray and see God move. Give God a big hand of praise today if you're willing to pray. Prayer was made of the church unto God. The Bible says without ceasing. Verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth. In other words, the day before. The Bible says the same night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. So the night before Peter's supposed to be killed, he's asleep. I don't know about you, but I've seen the Green Mile. And the night before execution, nobody sleeps. When, you, when you're going, listen, when the next day... They're going to cut your head off. You've already seen it done. You believe it. You know it's going to happen. And you decide, you know what? i tell you what. It's not like tomorrow is the day I die. Tomorrow is the day I graduate. And then the same people, I could see old Peter going, hey, man, it is a little bit chilly. Could one of you guys get a little closer over here? You know, just a little body heat wouldn't hurt us. Mind if I say my prayers? Would that be okay? Would that, that be all right with you guys? Yeah. Okay. Lord, thank you for this wonderful uh, quaternion that is close to me and the other three quaternions and the keepers of the door. Thank you for Herod, Lord God. I pray for those that are in authority. Now I ask in the name of Jesus, every one of these soldiers, that they would sense the power of your presence and that they would give your heart, their heart to you just like I have. In Jesus' name, Amen. And the soldiers are all sitting there going. Did he just pray for us? Because something felt really weird in my heart when he was saying that. And they go, hey, hey, excuse me, Mr. Peter, sir. And, and they get over there and Peter. I'll leave him alone. We'll talk to him in the morning. And then one of the soldiers is like, we're going to kill him in the morning. Yeah, well, let him get a good night's sleep. <laughs> Peter's about to get killed, and the brother is sleeping. Can, can I just say it differently? 
the peace of God can surpass all of your understanding. You can be going through hell in a handbasket and still walk in the peace of God. You can be going through, you, you can have, you can have issues on your issues, praise the Lord, and still be sleeping in the things of God. Somebody give God a hand of praise. You're going to walk in peace this year. Verse seven, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. Said, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off. So what do we know? We know that Peter never stopped serving God, even when James, one of his great friends, was killed. We know that the church never stopped praying for Peter, even when Peter was arrested. Well, I wonder if old Peter lost his temper again. No, they just began to pray. And the next thing we see happen is angelic intervention. Did you know if you refuse to stop serving God and you refuse to stop praying, it'll cause angelic intervention to come into your life? Oh, my son, he's far from God. My daughter, he's far from God. God will send an angel to the bathroom of that bar to wake your, your son or daughter up. Oh, well, you don't understand my situation. I got all these issues. I, I, you know, nothing's making sense. My money's not touching and agreeing. I just don't know what to do. The Bible said God will sink your boat with blessings. But what's on us is to never stop serving God and never stop praying. The Bible says uh, that the angel came in. Now, I want you to get a picture of this. I'm not going to lay down. But Peter's laying down, sleeping between soldiers, and a bright light shines. There's a light right here. A bright light shines in the situation, and that doesn't wake him up. The glory of God comes into the prison. A light shines around him, and this brother is sleeping so soundly that the angel of God has got to hit him and say, Peter, man, you got to get up. You're going to be killed if you don't get up. And Peter's like, no, hi. How was he able to sleep like this? He saw it one time before. He was riding with Jesus in a boat. And the Bible said, Peter, the great fisherman and all the other disciples, the storm was rocking the boat so much and it was beginning to fill up with water, fill up with water. It's about to sink. Peter, who's been on the, been on the sea his entire life is losing his mind. He thinks he's going to die and he goes down to the bot. The Bible said Jesus is asleep on a pillow in the bottom of the boat. I don't know about you, but if he's in the bottom of the boat and they said the boat's filling up with water, is that pillow floating on the water or is Jesus living? Literally doing what he had done before. He's resting on top of the water. And Peter walks in. He's like, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus is like. He said, you got to help us, man. We're going to die. Jesus, man, we're not going to die. I told you we were going to the other side of the boat, other side of the sea. Peace be still. Now you could have used the wind to get us across. Now you boys grab some paddles and row across. I'm going back to sleep. See, Peter had seen somebody sleep in the middle of the eye of the storm before. And he said, I'm, I don't know what I can do. I can't get these chains off. I don't know what to do with these soldiers. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to find myself a pillow and I'm going to sleep right in the middle of this situation. The Bible said the angel came. 
great light shining around. It's probably something like this, if I'm just being honest. Peter. Peter. Angel's trying to blend in. The light wasn't working. He hit him on the side, and the Bible says, it's right there in your Bible. When he hit him, the chains fell off. Did you know when the power of heaven touches you, the chains fall off? If if you're not coming out to church on a Wednesday night, I encourage you to move your schedule around and get here. The power of God hit this place so strong Wednesday night. Because when the power of God touches you, when that which comes from heaven touches you, Chains can't stay on your wrists. The Bible says, he told him, he said, get up and get up quickly. Number three. Number one, don't stop serving God. Number two, don't stop praying. Number three, and this is a big one, don't stop getting up. I'd love to tell you you'll never get knocked down. I'd love to tell you you'll never fall down. I'd love to tell you you'll never make a decision that needs you to repent. But all I can tell you is whichever situation you find yourself in, don't stop getting up. If you stop getting up, if you stop getting up, you'll die where you lie. But if you'll get up one more time, come on, look at your neighbor and just tell him one more time. I'm not asking you to get up a hundred times. I want you to get up one more time. When you hit the canvas and you hear that referee count, one I don't care if it's nine, nine and a half, nine and three quarters. Get up one more time. Why do I have to do that? We need you to get up. We need you to get up off that floor. We need you to believe God because when you begin to believe God, he begins to deliver. And when he begins to deliver, now all of a sudden somebody else is going to get set free when they see you get set free. Don't stop getting up. Don't stop rising to the occasion. Answer the bell. That's a term that a lot of boxers are taught their whole life. In between rounds, they get a chance to sit down. They get a little water and they wipe their face off. And they get all the blood off. And they try to stop the bleeding as best they can. But within one minute, all of a sudden, there's going to be a bell. And they've got a choice. And it doesn't come from between their ears. It comes from somewhere in the cavity of their chest where their heart and soul resides. They have to make the decision. When that bell rings, I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I've been through. I'm going to answer that bell. I'm not going to stop getting up. I didn't think I'd have to go through this again. I never thought I'd be divorced. I never thought this would happen. I never thought I would have buried them early. I never thought all these things were going to come against me. I never thought I was going to have to change my career path at 55 years old. I never thought I was going to have to make a decision at 18 that affected my whole life. I never thought any of this. All I'm asking you to do is get back up one more time. Don't stop serving God. I remember one time that Jesus looked at the disciples. He said, he said, everybody else left me. You going to leave me too? They said, where would we go? There's nothing better 
The only thing you'll find outside of Christ is counterfeit reality. Somebody say, don't stop getting up. The Bible says he told him to get up and get up quickly. Verse eight, the angel said unto him, put your belt on, gird yourself, bind on your sandals, put your shoes on. How many parents have said that a hundred times? Put your shoes on. Peter's over there. I'm going to put him in a double knot in case we have to put your shoes on, Peter. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. I got it, Gabriel. I got it. I got it. Here we go. He said, put your shoes on. Put your garment around you and follow me. Verse 9. When he went out, he followed him. He didn't know if it was really happening. He didn't know if it was true, what was done by the angel. He thought, maybe I'm in a vision. He'd been in a vision before. Maybe I'm in a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, that's the guards. The first set of guards and the second set of guards. So Peter's walking out. He's like, God. I was sleeping good, Gabriel. He's like, I'm getting you out of prison. He's like, yeah, but I almost got him saved. I wasn't done yet. And he walks by and there's some guards there sleeping. And he goes, that's convenient. Comes to the second set of guards. That's convenient. And the Bible says, he kept going or he followed him. But he wasn't sure yet if it was God, if it was happening, right? Let me say it differently in your life. There's going to be some things, and this is totally okay. You're going to be like, I think that was God. I don't know. I I think that was him. I'm going to take another step. I'm pretty sure that was him. Here, that almost a miracle. I think, I don't know. I I think God's telling me to do this. I don't know. All I can tell, I'm just going to take another step anyway. And the Bible says that he came past the second garden and he came into the iron gate that leads to the city. Now, here's the situation. See, when you get past the first garden and the second garden and then you get to the iron gate, now you're like, okay. <laughs> I can't open that door. It, I, I, can't, I can't do that on my own account. I, I, that's not something I'm, I'm capable of. I, you know, maybe those guys were, maybe the, maybe the first watch, maybe they were just sleepy. And we start talking ourselves out of the miracles we've already experienced. We start trying to act like it wasn't God. Eh, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it was a, just a good day and I am pretty sneaky. Maybe I just snuck out there. But the Bible says he got to the second ward, past the second garden, got to the iron gate, at least the city. Here was what was interesting. It said it opened of its own accord. Don't you let the yeah but stop you from getting to the gate that's going to be the greatest miracle of all. See, what happens is God's not asking you to open a door you can't open He's just asking you to take a step because here, here's the, here's the reality. And I'm closing with this. Lock in with me for another three minutes. 
Peter came out of that prison and the last, the last door, the last gate was the gate to the city. God's about to open the gate to the city for New Heights Church. We've come past one set of guards. We've come past another set of guards. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're up to a gate that we can't open it. So, so here's the situation, though. God is seldom early, but he's never late. So, so what will happen in, in your life is, is this. You're going to commit today. To never stop serving God. And now the devil loses all his ability to mess with you. Because when he messes with you, it actually pushes you closer to God, not further from God. You're not going to stop praying because prayer moves heaven. And when heaven moves, chains fall. If you find yourself knocked down, you're not going to stop getting back up. But in the process of the entire Situation. I want you to commit when you see the impossible to number four, never stop moving forward. Because there's going to be some things in your life that you can't do on your own, and that's how you know God is God. You're going to have to rely. Well, what do I do? It's real simple. When he wakes you up, you go past the first guard. You just begin to follow me. You say, man, I'm, I'm not going to stop serving God. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop getting up. You get past the second guard, and then you see the gate, and you say, what am I going to do with that gate? Listen, the Bible's very clear. He says that he's going to open the doors that you can't open. He'll keep the doors closed that you don't need to walk through, but you've got to make the decision. Some miracles only happen when you get in the right position. And the position requires you to keep moving forward. Many of times uh, in our Bible, we see God do the miracles, but it's only when people are willing to continue to walk forward. They walk towards the Red Sea and then the Red Sea moved. They walked toward, they walked around the gates of the, the, the walls of Jericho and then they came down. I'm here to tell you that if you'll take one more step forward, God's about to open doors that no man can close in your life. can't open that door. There's doors you can't open. There's gates you can't open. But the God of heaven and earth, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's looking over his word to perform it. I want somebody to stand to your feet and give God a shout if you're willing to just take another step towards what God said in your life. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.